For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Many times when I create these podcast episodes and when I take a Bible story and tell it a bit differently, my goal is to help people see the story in new ways. I want to highlight alternate interpretations and give fresh perspectives. But I would rarely suggest that my way of seeing a story is the only correct way. Just that it's another possibility. But that doesn't prevent people from reacting to my various episodes from time to time and letting me know how wrong I am. Usually they insist that the way that the story has traditionally been understood, or at least the way that they have always read it, is in fact the only possible way to understand it. I always do my best to respect their opinions, and sometimes we have interesting exchanges. But I also find it kind of amazing how unwilling some people are to even consider that there might be another way to understand something from the Bible. And if that happens to me, poor storyteller that I am, 
then I'm pretty sure that it must have happened to Jesus, too. His storytelling had a much bigger impact, after all. And there must have been people who disagreed, and insisted that he had told it all wrong. Take, for example, the story that Jesus told about some workers in a vineyard. This is Retelling the Bible. Episode 7.21 The Parable of the Next Day in the Vineyard You know that there had to be at least one in the crowd. I'm not saying that this person was a wealthy landowner themselves. For the most part, it seems as if the people that Jesus attracted and who filled his crowds tended to be on the lower end of the economic scale. They were the ones who loved it when he said things like, blessed are you who are poor. But even in such a crowd, there are always some who are extraordinarily sympathetic to the concerns of the landowners and the wealthy, sometimes so much that they can forget the needs of other people who struggle like them. And so I suspect that this person, whoever they were, struck up a conversation with somebody else as they left with the crowd following this particular parable. You know, they said, that is all well and good. In that parable of Jesus, at the end of the day, all of the people who had worked in the vineyard went home with one denarius in their purses. And I know that one denarius is not really a huge amount of money. But the thing is that it is enough. It is enough for one person to get by for the day, to put some food in their belly, and perhaps have a decent place to sleep for the night. I want them to have that as much as anybody else. Lord knows that I appreciate it when I have a denarius in my purse at the end of the day. But there is just one problem with how Jesus told that story. He said it took place in the kingdom of heaven. But I'm wondering if that foolish landowner still found himself living in the kingdom of heaven the next day. With that, the critic cleared his throat and began to do a passable imitation of Jesus' manner of speaking when telling parables. (coughs) 
kingdom of Earth is like a landowner who was a very successful vintner. He had done so well making and selling his wines that he had been able to purchase many vineyards. And so, after one very successful day of paying unskilled, transient workers to gather his grapes, he was hardly done. The next day, there was another vineyard that was just perfectly ripe and ready to harvest. And so he went out early the next morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. He went directly to the place in the market where it was customary for those who were looking for work to gather. And, much to his surprise, he saw that not one single person was there. He didn't think much of it at first. He just assumed that maybe after they'd all been paid a full denarius the previous day, they had eaten too well and then slept better in a decent bed. Maybe they had just slept in a little bit. He decided to come back a little bit later. When he returned at 9 a.m., however, there was still no one to be found. Much to his consternation, he also found the same thing at noon, and then at 2 p.m. The landowner began to worry. The very thought of all of his beautiful grapes, at the peak of ripeness, hanging from the vines in the heat of the day, disturbed him. Surely many of them would be at risk of spoiling and becoming useless to him. Finally, he returned to the marketplace one last time at five o'clock. And what do you think? There were so many workers there looking for a job that he suspected that they had come from many of the surrounding towns as well. And what could the landowner do? He had no choice but to hire them all for a denarius and send them out into his vineyard. But it was too late, and the sun soon set. Despite there being so many workers, they had barely managed to gather even a quarter of the grapes, and the rest were lost. And the landowner grumbled against the workers, saying, Verily it is true that nobody wants to work anymore. I told you that alternate version of Jesus' parable because I want you to understand that if you want to appreciate his original parable of the workers in the vineyard, you need to realize that there is also another parable, what I like to call the parable of the next day in the vineyard. And make no mistake, the parable of the next day in the vineyard is a story that is being told. 
It is being told constantly in our media, in our think tanks, and on just about every level of our society. In fact, the story is so pervasive that we just assume that it is not a story at all, that it is just a statement of how things are. I mean, you hear that story and you say, well, of course, that is exactly how it would turn out. If you actually decided to pay everyone in society the same amount, basically enough money to live on, and you made it clear that you would pay them the same no matter how much or how little they worked, we all agree that the inevitable result of that would be that everyone would work as little as possible. We also know that other similar stories that we tell are true in the same way. We all know that if you give people who are unhoused a large amount of money, they will just spend it all on drugs and alcohol. We know that if you let office workers do their jobs from home, they will definitely slack off work. We also have various stories that we tell about minority groups, stories that I won't repeat here because they contain some very damaging ideas but they are also stories that we think of as true in much the same way. But despite all of this, we need to understand that these are stories, not established facts. And yes, they are stories that sound true and plausible. They have a certain logic to them that we can follow. They especially make sense to us because they fit with the worldview that we have already accepted. But all of this doesn't necessarily make them true. In 2017, the Liberal government of Ontario, where I live, set up a basic income pilot project. The idea behind this project was to give individuals $13,000 a year and couples 19,000 over three years to see what happened. It was not an enormous amount of money. It was sort of like a denarius a day in Jesus' world. Enough to cover the basics, but little more. But participants in this study would receive that amount, whether they worked or not, and no matter how much they worked at least with only a small amount being clawed back from their earnings. In many ways, that pilot project would have been a way of figuring out whether Jesus' parable of the workers in the vineyard or the dissident in the crowd's parable of the next day in the vineyard was a better reflection of reality. We could have found out what really happens when you pay people enough to live on, no matter how much they work. We could have found out whether it was reality or just a story. But we who live in Ontario did not get to find out. The government changed 
as governments do, and the new government, despite having promised otherwise, cancelled the pilot after it had only run a few months. The government explained it by saying that instead of putting money into the experiment, which cost an estimated $115 million over three years, it would focus resources on more proven approaches. And boy, did that sound like good news to me. What? Do you mean to tell me that there are proven approaches that can be applied in order to lessen the problem of poverty in our society? And the government knows what those approaches are? That's amazing! But if that's the case, though, then how is it that over recent decades, the problems of poverty and income disparity have only gotten worse in our society? If we have proven approaches, either we aren't using them, or they aren't working, so that hardly makes it seem as if they are proven. But there is, of course, another possibility. Is it possible that the pilot was cancelled because people have already decided that they know what is true? That the parable of the next day in the vineyard isn't just a story, but the truth? There is another study that was recently completed by the University of British Columbia that involved giving homeless people a lump sum of money, $7,500. Now, this study is not absolutely conclusive. Some people have raised a few questions about how participants were chosen, but it was a rigorous academic study, and the overall conclusions called into question the story that our society has generally accepted about the housing crisis. The people who received the money did not act according to our society's dominant story. They did not waste the money on drugs or alcohol. They used it to do very sensible things like pay off debts, secure housing, and put themselves in better positions to get jobs. All of this makes me wonder whether the dominant stories that we tell about poverty and the housing crisis, about addiction and nobody wants to work anymore, are just fairy tales that we tell to make sure that nothing really changes in the way that we have organized society and to make us feel okay about that. Most of all, it suggests to me that we just don't want to know that those stories may not be entirely true. We'd rather just keep believing our comfortable stories. And this is where I want to bring us back to the amazing genius of the man we call Jesus from Nazareth. When he came along, preaching about something that he called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, he was actually questioning everything 
about how his society was organized. The kingdom of God was not merely about how things would be some day in heaven. It was about how things could be radically different here on earth, right now. But his greatest genius was in how he chose to present such a radical message. He knew that it wouldn't work just to say radical things like, maybe we shouldn't just organize our entire society around the needs of the wealthy landowners who want to make profits from their vineyards. Or, maybe we should make sure that, no matter what, the people have enough to live on. People would have just laughed and dismissed him as a dangerous radical. That is exactly why Jesus told stories instead. Stories have this incredible power. They can help us to imagine how the world could be different. And yes, it is true that no story can answer all of the problems that come with imagining a different world. Yes, it's probably true that you couldn't build a functioning economy just by paying every worker a denarius a day, no matter how much work they did. There would probably have to be a little bit more to it than that. But, at the same time, by telling a story of how things could be different, of how things could look completely different when you saw them from the point of view of the workers in the field instead of the wealthy landowner, the story that Jesus told called into question the way that things had always been seen. I certainly recognize that the economic issues around poverty and the housing crisis that we face in our society today are complex. There are no quick fixes, nor have I seen any proven approaches. But I also believe that these are problems that cannot be fully addressed until we challenge some of the stories that we tell about wealth and poverty in our society. Jesus did that by telling an alternate story. He invited us to dream of a different way of doing things, something that he called the kingdom of God. And he did all of that just by telling a few stories. I think that leaves a challenge for us. There are absolutely dominant narratives in our society that need to be challenged. And it sort of looks like they won't be challenged by doing things like running pilots on basic universal income or studies that include just giving homeless people some money. Those studies seem promising. But I'm afraid that they may not happen because people are afraid to challenge the dominant narrative. And so what are we left with? The need to tell a different story. A story of the world as it could be. And that, in my own humble way, is one of the things that I try to do with my little podcast.
That is it for this episode of Retelling the Bible. Please subscribe so you can get the next episode in a couple of weeks. And do leave a review on your podcast provider to help other people find and appreciate this podcast. The theme music for the podcast is Ah Da by Kevin MacLeod. And the mood music for this episode was Summer Morning by Music L Files. The music is licensed under the Creative Commons and can be found at filmmusic.io. You can contact me on the webpage twitter.com at Retelling Bible and on the Facebook page Retelling the Bible. Show notes for this episode have been posted at retellingthebible.wordpress.com. Thanks again to my awesome Patreon supporters who back this podcast. If you'd like to join them or discover the benefits they receive, go to patreon.com slash retelling the Bible. This is Retelling the Bible, and I have been your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless. <laughs>